Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Won't be red wine that is being splashed around in the winner's circle at the Toronto Indy this weekend. Uh, that would be, I think that would be a first if they, if they said, no, nah, I don't think we're going to do the champagne. Let's bring out some, let's bring out some, I don't know, some Merlot and spray that around in the winner's circle. It stains probably more than the champagne does and messier. looks like a murder scene by the end rather than a celebration. But there will be sparkling wine that is going to be splashed around in the winning circle, winner's circle. And uh, that sparkling wine is going to be local. It's from around here. It is from Fielding Estate Winery. And as soon as I heard that, I thought, if you work for the winery and you've put this much effort into making a great wine, do you want to have it just sprayed all over the place and wasted? Curtis Fielding is president of Fielding Estate Winers. He joins us now. Curtis, how are you today? Uh, I'm I'm great. I'm actually uh, on the side of the road. We're just coming from a racetrack, but uh, excellent. The two the two wheel kind. <laughs> excellent. Well, t- so tell me that question. If you have put so much effort into this wine, and then the guys just get it and spray it all over, and it's wasted essentially, do you shed a tear going, "Man, that was good wine"? They just dumped all over the place. Or are you like, "No, that's cool." Uh, I think it's pretty cool. You know what? It is uh, pretty awesome to see a local wine going to be up on the. Uh, winter circle there Sunday. It's going to be pretty, pretty we're going to be pretty pumped. How, how do you end up there? I mean, is this something that you call them up and say, can we have our wine there? I mean, I'm sure it's a sponsorship thing, but is it, do they rotate around or how, how did you end up there? Uh, this is our second year with uh, the indie group. And uh, it's actually, it's, I got this through racing connections, my old racing connections back in the day. You used to race cars, and, right? Yeah, I used to race in the NASCAR Pinty Series and uh, did a little moonlighting, but I've done a lot of short tracks around Ontario, Quebec, and uh, New York. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's just racing connections, and, you know, I left the world of racing and got into the wine business, and, you know what, the racing bug never leaves you. So we're pretty pumped to uh, be partnered up with the Indy Series. Uh, I should ask, did you ever get to spray wine all over somebody or yourself in your days? <laughs> I wasn't that successful. I wish I did. But, uh. <laughs> Never once? Okay. At some point, though, somewhere, do you, th- this is a crazy, ridiculous question, but do you do a test drive to make sure that the wine sprays properly? <laughs> we actually did at the winery in the parking lot. Did you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we made sure it's uh, the winemakers and myself, we, uh, we popped a bottle and sprayed it all over, made sure it, uh, it worked well. You, you almost, I mean, as much as that sounds ridiculous to do, it, it would be a disaster probably, right? If, if all of a sudden the, the, the court comes out and it goes and nothing yeah, happens. You, you wouldn't want to shoot a dud. No, that's, uh, <laughs> it would be your worst nightmare. <laughs> well, it would, as I say, it would be a really interesting scenario where they just then, you know, I, I don't know what you do at that point, find a bottle of ginger ale or something and go. But I guess so. <laughs> is, is this, um, okay, so let's get to wine for a second because uh, my wife and I actually were just down uh, in wine country the other day and it, I don't know, even as we're looking around, because I don't know what I'm talking about. I, you know, when, when I have some wine at they say, oh, it's got all these great flavors. And I'm like, yeah, it tastes like wine to me. But I'm not that guy. <laughs> but I'm looking around, and it looked like, with the weather this year, it looked anyway like it was a great year for wine, is it? Yeah, we the crop this year looks excellent. And it's a, it's a great, you know, it's a great thing to see because last year wasn't our best year. It was We got hurt by the cold winter, and we had a really, it was a really hard time in the vineyard. But this summer is just excellent. Like, the, the crop looks just great and 
I'm just up here in Cayuga driving through uh, farmland up here, and the crops up here look great too. The cash crops, so is that great year for farming? Is that because we we've I mean we've had some hot stretches, but we haven't had ongoing weeks long hot stretches. We've also had a ton of rain, but it hasn't gone on forever and ever. Is that what the key is here? Is to mix it up? Yeah, just a, a good mix is great. Um, obviously, for grape growing, we would love it to stop raining in August and stay dry right till all fall that would be great for wine grapes but uh yeah you know beggars can't be choosers we love this weather's been great so you gotta take it when you can get it the uh back to the race the bottles that the guys are going to have in the winner's circle are these regular size bottles or like in some races are these the super jumbo ones no the so we have a run of regular size bottles and that'll be for the nascar pinty series and all the other support series that are racing this weekend so There'll be a lot of corks popped, but we did make a big Magnum series for the the, the Sunday race for the uh, indie guys. And are those for sale anywhere, or are these specially just for this? They're just special for this. We're probably going to run some for next year. Hopefully we do this uh, agreement, sponsorship again and uh, this partnership, and hopefully we can get some. Uh, but we do have some of the regular bottles for sale at the winery. Uh, how, so the stuff that, the, sorry, what, what wine is it they're going to be spraying on themselves? It's a, it's a Chardonnay Pinot Noir. Okay. And what would that yeah. go for? So a bottle that these guys are spraying on themselves. A bottle of our, our regular brute is uh, thirty six ninety five at the winery. Well, that's not bad. That's, you know what, that's, that's almost worth, if you have a, like a mixed softball team, you could afford that to be able to like do that at the end of your season. <laughs> Yeah, usually it's Miller Lite there, isn't it? Well, probably, but you know what? This yeah. is this is this is now affordable. This is an affordable celebration. It's not uh, you know, it's not a $500 bottle that I'm I'm always amazed when you walk when you watch the celebrations at like the NBA championships or something and they're yeah. spraying 3 or $400 bottles on themselves. It's like, why not just go with the you know, it can be good and not that expensive, but they Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Uh will you be there by the way? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm going to be there all weekend. Uh, yeah, got lots going on and got lots of our customers going there with some tickets we gave away and we're doing some contests right now. So, yeah. If uh, if somebody wanted to swing by the winery and sample what is going to be uh, sprayed around in the winter circle, tell us where people can find the winery. Winery is located in Beamsville, uh, Ontario, and we're just right up on the Beamsville bench in uh we're in a nice little hub of wineries, and it's a great little uh, visit. And, yeah, and you can order online as well at fieldingwines.com. And any rules against people buying one and going out in the parking lot and spraying it? No, we don't have many rules up at our place. We like to have a good time. So. <laughs> there you go. You can, you can live vicariously like you are a professional race car driver or whatever else. Uh, Curtis yep, Fielding, sure. always appreciate the time. Curtis, thanks for doing this. Thank you very much. Take care. That is, uh, you know, I don't know. That maybe that's something. Is that is that on anyone's list? Uh, not a bucket list. Probably not a bucket list thing. But to be sprayed with champagne, I gotta think there's some people who would be into that for something. You win your, <laughs> you, you win, you're playing bridge with the seniors at the seniors hole, and you crack open the champagne or the bubbly one. I guess it's not technically champagne, and just start spraying the seniors hole. <laughs> Live it up. I mean, come on. What else? You could do this. You know, you, you beat your father in a game of Crokinole, and out comes the shh. There it goes. I'm, I'm all for this, Ben. I am all for this.
you can catch a little guppy at the lake and just crack this out right then and there. You know, when I get to the cottage, I may have to do that. I may have to have a bottle of this in the boat for when I catch a nice fish <laughs> and somebody in a boat going by is going to think I've completely lost my mind because I'll be just spraying champagne all over the boat. I can just imagine what it, that looks like from the banks where it's like, is he okay? And yeah. just shaking vigorously and then... Now that I tail everywhere. Now that I think of it, I probably won't take alcohol out into the boat. That's only entirely <laughs> illegal as I'm saying it. Re- reconsider that one. That that one's off the table. But anything else that you want to do, beat someone in pickleball and pull out the champagne <laughs> and spray it. I'm, I I think we're onto something here. It's a you know that was an ex- a reasonable bottle that you could afford to do this. I I, I think that's a great idea. Anyway, break in case of emergency or celebration or celebration. There you go. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. I want to uh, bring in, well, no, I don't. He just disappeared. Oh, he's on Zoom. Okay. Well, we've got him. Carmi Levy, who's a tech analyst and writer and journalist and, uh, and a man who clearly is moving at speeds of technology that I can't keep up with, Carmi. We, we've got you, though. Thanks for joining us tonight. It, it figures they would let me t- play with all the buttons and I would mess things up even before we start. Well, that. no kidding. I'm looking at the phone line, so it's like, there's Carmi, and then, nope, there's Carmi's gone. Oh, he's on a different thing. Te- anyway. <laughs> So it's just the nerd in me. Yeah, it's, no, it's good. It's, it's, it sounds great. So let me ask you a question. I've been following this story for the last few days. I mean, it's been going on longer than this, but for the last few days about this new Twitter, this threads, which is the new name. And I think some people probably are very aware of this. Mm-hmm. Is this inevitable? Is it not the case that there's always, every time there is a social media platform that gains traction, it quickly becomes uncool and something else pops up and takes over. I mean, have we not been through this with Facebook and with, um, you know, go, go down the list. Instagram is losing. TikTok became the thing. Is this not always what happens? I think it is. I mean, I think every uh, social media platform, just like every style of clothing and style of mm-hmm. music and television show, has a, a window of popularity. It will have its day. Uh, it will become popular it'll be the cool thing for everyone to be on and you know if you're not on it you're definitely missing out and you're not one of the cool kids and then eventually time will pass and something cooler will come along and then if you stick with the that you know that this now old thing you'll be considered a fuddy-duddy and that is uh it's it's why facebook is now considered the social media platform that you know mom and dad and Uh grandma and grandpa use but certainly not the cool kids um and it's likely why if you and i have this conversation five years from now we're going to be talking about TikTok in the past tense because it will also it'll, it'll probably still be around, but will it be the you know the kind of the, the the ragey viral platform that it is today? Absolutely not, because by then everyone will have moved on to whatever shiny new bubble the tech industry decides to come up with. Yeah, I've been just as we're sitting here, I'm trying to think of some of the ones from the past, and I mean, give me five minutes, and I'll come up, but I mean, <laughs> oh, I, how much time you got? Let's, well, no, but uh, I'm, we, the first we can one start that, with Tumblr and Friendster and I, MySpace, of course. ICQ. Remember, remember oh. ICQ. If you want I to remember ICQ, back. and I remember the sound that it made when it popped on. I remember my number on ICQ, which is actually kind of scary. I date myself. So but, uh, AOL, MSN, yeah, Messenger, you name it, right? Things come and go, and then they they die. That's just the way it is in tech. Nothing so lasts forever. Far be it from me to be questioning a man who has is worth a hundred or hundred and fifty, two hundred billion dollars, whatever it is. But that being the case. Was this a, I mean, leave aside how he's managed, whether you like or not, was this not a stupid, terrible decision by Elon Musk to buy Twitter, knowing, oh, yeah. knowing that every technology in social media eventually fades out? Why not just create your own? 
I think by the logic of uh, the rest of us, yes, stupid decision. By the logic of a billionaire who basically makes his own rules and doesn't listen to anybody, I think he thought it was a grand idea. And he probably figured, just like Donald Trump must have figured when he started you know, Truth Social, and I put quotation marks around the word truth, um, is that you know they they think that if they if they say jump the rest of the world will will go how high and they they don't realize that their influence does have limits that even though at, at the time that he bought the company i think he was approaching 100 million followers on the platform on twitter um he kind of thought that he was master of the universe you know i he he figured out reusable rocketry he figured out electric vehicles he's digging tunnels under Las Vegas. There's nothing this guy can't do. Modern day Renaissance man. And I think it reached a point where he believed his own publicity and literally did not believe that he could fail. Well, uh, yeah, he can, and he is. And and I think he bought it because it's easier to buy uh, an already functional incumbent player than it is to build your own. Um, and and he had, the, he had the money, he had the access to the funding. But I think in retrospect, and although we could see it coming as well, I knew this was going to happen, and I think a lot of people saw it coming. Um, running Twitter is very different than running SpaceX, very different than running Tesla. And he's looked very clearly that social media platforms, especially ones that are seen kind of like in the, through a lens of a public, public trust, uh, are very different animals. And he has utterly failed to live up to the history and the legacy of the platform, and he's paying a very heavy price. This could cost him a good chunk of his fortune, and as well as his reputation as a guy who succeeds. Uh, he will, he'll be known more for Twitter than he ever will be for SpaceX or Tesla. And for him, that's kind of unfortunate. Yeah. And, and I mean, look, maybe, maybe you and I are missing the point. Maybe the belief was that, yeah, I, maybe he did the analysis and said, I get that all of these social media platforms change in time and lose. And, but I can be ahead of the curve and change this to make enough change that this becomes the change as opposed to mm. the thing that becomes, you know, who knows what, but I just, now the flip side is I'm amazed if, if the stories we're hearing are true and I've not, have you been on a thread? Have you signed up for thread? Yeah. So as soon as it went live, I, I was seeing notifications in my Instagram uh, account and I kind of jumped right on. I didn't want anyone to steal my name because as you know, not too many carmies in the world. So I figured I may as well. So how it. similar is it to Twitter? Um, shockingly like it. it. It almost looks a lot like Instagram because it is a kind of an extension of the architecture of Instagram. You use your Instagram username and password and sign in and the look and feel is very much like Instagram, but the features are very similar to Twitter. You, you post a thread instead of a tweet. And then the, the reason they call it threads is because it's very conversational. You answer, someone answers back and it's very easy to follow the conversations. It's somewhat better in threads than it is in Twitter where, you know, it's kind of hard to figure out where you are in the conversation. Uh, no direct messages. Uh, you can post hashtags, but it won't do anything with them yet. We know support for them is coming. There isn't a feed of all the people that you follow. That also is coming. So it's missing a few key features here and there. But generally speaking, it it it's almost like if I were going to release an email program today, they all kind of look alike. They all have an inbox and they all have a send, send folder and all that. Uh, they all have reply, reply all forward buttons. Twitter is kind of the same thing. Every other wannabe Twitter product like Mastodon, uh, Hive Social, Post News uh, that was released over the last little while, they also look and, and feel a lot like Twitter because it's kind of hard to be any different. So what's different, though, is that as soon as you sign on to threads, you can you can bring in your Instagram network. So unlike Mastodon and the others where you literally had to start from scratch, there was nobody to talk to. And that's why a lot of people downloaded it and then just left it because it was boring. You're talking to yourself. 
Whereas with threads, now you're you're automatically connecting to people who are in your Instagram network. And so there's a ready-made audience to connect with. And there's a lot of activity. So beyond just the sheer number of downloads, which are over 100 million now in the first five yeah. days, uh, there is now like people are sticking around and they're and they're checking in every day and they're participating in conversations and sort of doing the making it an, a regular habit, which means not only is it popular now, but it looks like it's going to have staying power, too. And the reason I ask you and I have not is because I I realized, I don't know, and we've talked about this on the show, I, I realized this a while back, the last thing I need to do is add more social media to my life. I just, you know, and I think a lot of people are, are probably in the same position going, okay, do I go on to another social media platform and add another thing that I've got to deal with or do I just go... I can live without it. Do you think, I mean, oh, yeah. is this one of these things uh, I, that people are going to live without or ultimately are we going to have to do it? Uh, no, I don't think anyone has to do anything and I don't think anyone should feel like they have to do anything. And in fact, if I didn't work in technology and if I weren't writing and speaking and, and commenting on all this stuff, I would have stayed away from it like the plague. Um, because you're absolutely right. The day is, a, it's a pie and you can only slice it so thinly. And we already spend way more time on social media than anyone has any right to. Uh, and and I, I was kind of hoping that as Twitter kind of skidded toward its ultimate demise, that we would all see this as a, a learning opportunity. It's like, uh, you know, maybe we won't replace Twitter. Maybe we'll just take that time back and go hang out with our friends in real life and walk the dog what what are, what are the, the, the woods or whatever. Like, you're right. We don't need another social media platform. I'm on it because of work. But for other people, I think we need to start looking at how much time we're spending on all of these platforms and asking ourselves, is it really good for us or should I start clawing back some of that time? You have quite a vivid imagination. Out with our <laughs> friends, not on social media. Kermy, come on. That's that's crazy talk. That's crazy talk. I just, no, I mean, look, I'm, I'm all for that. And when I said, will I have to, not that have to, as far as fear of missing out, not that kind of have to, but in the business world, in the professional world, are we going to get to the point when this, like Twitter now almost, becomes essential in order to do your job? I, I think the answer to that is no, uh, because if you look at the, the, look, the look and the feel of threads, it isn't really about professional connections. It's about personal ones. And if I'm doing professional networking, I'm using my LinkedIn account for that. And that really LinkedIn is social media for grownups and adults. Um, and there's it's all about jobs and work and professional networking. Um, and so and it does it fairly well. And 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 I don't think we need another LinkedIn. So, no, I don't think so. I don't think you compromise your professional life in any way, shape or form by staying off of threads or Instagram or Twitter or anything. Um, and I think as we sort of get toward the end of this first social era, I like to call it post-social, I think we're all going to start having those hard conversations with ourselves and going, you know what, I don't need to. I can still be a successful human being, both in my personal and professional lives, without these tools. Or maybe with these tools, but not to the degree that I use them today. Maybe I don't have to check the feeds all day, every day. Maybe they can just be an occasional thing. I'll have an account but it won't dominate the, my daily routine mm. like it does now. Because again, I think the mental health costs that we all pay for doom scrolling through all of our feeds, all of it, whatever the platform is, I think it's too much. And, and I think we really need to stop and ask ourselves, it, should we continue doing this? And for a growing number of us, the answer is no. I, I, I'm asking you an impossible question here because it literally is impossible because you're not in the mind of Mark Zuckerberg or Elon Musk. But mm. do, do you... Do you think this was necessary or is this part of this 
thing where Musk seems to just have to beat Zuckerberg and Zuckerberg has to beat Musk to the point where they're they're talking about having an MMA fight in the Coliseum <laughs> and a in a well a contest to measure a part of them was the latest um, suggestion uh, to yes. see who was bigger. Is this really an essential thing that Mark Zuckerberg, do you believe, looked at and said it's a missing piece or was this simply I got to do something to crush Musk? I think it originally started as, uh, you know, as Twitter was was weakening last year. And as Elon Musk was expressing his interest in buying the company, I think Meta saw it as a as a potential opportunity, you know, fill in a vacuum, pick up the revenue that's lost when Twitter inevitably fails. And I think it started off as a business decision, but time goes on. I think it's increasingly personal and it's pretty clear Zuckerberg and Musk have hated each other for years. Uh, you know, uh, Zuckerberg, uh, th- th- Facebook was going to lo- had leased space on a satellite and it was being launched on a, on a Falcon 9, a SpaceX satellite, and the, it blew up on the launch pad. And Mark Zuckerberg very publicly said, really unfortunate that we lost our, our, our satellite on a SpaceX rocket. Musk wasn't very happy about that. And it started this sort of back and forth. Every once in a while, they'll just snipe at each other. Uh, they both disagreed rather violently about artificial intelligence. They disagreed about just about everything. And I think just the timing of threads and the timing of Twitter's kind of decline it all just kind of came together. Uh, and I think now it's become very personal. And I think the two of them are just using every opportunity to beat each other up. It's almost like a billionaire battle uh, to the death. And and quite frankly, you know, we need more entertainment in this world. Hey, I'm watching them go at it. I'm, I'm all for it. Carmi, I, I, I'm a, a UFC fan, not a huge <laughs> super fan, but you know, usually those guys don't really dislike each other. It's all for show. I'd love to see the two of them because they really want to kill each other. It would be, yeah, it yeah. Would be there's, it's interesting. I've been to a lot of conferences with senior leaders, uh, you know, from some of the biggest companies in the, in the industry. And usually when they get into the same room or when they talk about each other on stage, there's, there's a certain, there's a, a degree of respect, uh, even though they're, they, they may be ultra competitors with each other. They do respect each other. I don't think that's the case here. And I think that's what would make, if there is this cage match, if it does go ahead, it'll make it especially interesting because they they, they really are. I, I suspect they're not going to be holding back. And you know, Mark Zuckerberg is going to use every little bit of his jujitsu training. Elon Musk <laughs> is going to use every little bit of his, I think he says he lies on people like a whale. Um, I think between the two of them, uh, it's, it's going to be probably more entertaining than your average UFC match, which says something because I know they can be quite something. I was talking with Carmi Levy, who's a tech journalist and analyst. And, and Carmi, I just in the few minutes we have here, I want to switch tack one little bit here. And, and we have heard endless talk in recent days and weeks and months about artificial intelligence and chat GPT and all these ways that artificial intelligence is going to take over our life. Now, I will not very often point to China and say, we should do that. We should do what they're doing. There are very few examples. And I don't even know in this case if we should point to China and say, we should do that. But China has essentially come out in the last little while and said, we are going to have very strict rules for how AI can be implemented. And in fact, we may have licenses for companies that provide AI to make sure they comply so that this is a controlled industry. And again, I I don't know that I want to be pointing too much at anything that China is doing, but this almost sounds like it might not be a terrible idea in this particular field. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, certainly I'll, I'll do the same thing. I've, I've been to China. I've seen the, the internet from behind the Great Firewall of China, and it is frightening. It's actually scary to bring your own laptop from Canada into China and then turn it on with all the protections that you could possibly imagine and then still realize you're probably now exposed. It's, 
it's a scary place to be. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think China's fear here is that they are going to be eclipsed. And so they'd better be ahead of the curve rather than behind it. Um, but they are definitely onto something. And what they've done is they've introduced, you know, some pretty strict, probably the world's most strict regulations about um, how companies can bring these tools to market, how the government um, can ensure that they follow ethical and moral and legal guidelines, what those frameworks look like, what the consequences are if those if those uh, limits are crossed. Um, and so I think it's, you know, I, I certainly don't want us to be like them in any way, shape or form, but I think we need to take their lead and we need to, you know, get laws and, and frameworks in place for ourselves. And, you know, Canada has something. It's Bill C C-27, which is working its way through the House of Commons now. It's uh, past second reading. And it's, it's our privacy legislation update uh, to update our Privacy Act, but it also includes a very large uh, section on artificial intelligence. And so Canada has that as well. And to a certain extent, it echoes the Chinese experience, but within the context of an actual democracy. So I, I think I think we're well on the way, but certainly I've been studying what China has been doing. And certainly there are aspects of it that are worth discussing here as we continue to formulate our own laws. If we don't, then we run the risk of the technology racing too far ahead, and then we're never going to catch up. So somewhere between what China is doing, because they can crack the whip and do whatever they want, and what everyone else is doing, which is pretty much nothing, um, we got to find that happy medium. And I'm kind of glad to see that Canada, without citizens protesting or asking for it, Canada decided we're going to move ahead before the rest of the world does. Well, and when you talk about, you know, moral or ethical guidelines, I think very clearly we would expect that our moral and ethical guidelines would be different than the ones in China. But nonetheless, the, the fact that there would be some kind of rules around this, we have rules around now, whether people like it or not. And, and uh, you know, I'm not a huge government guy, but I'm also not a zero government guy. I think there's a mm -hmm. role. It seems we have rules for every other industry. And this one thus far seems like there are very few rules, if any rules. Very much so. I mean, I, I like to watch, uh, you know, what parliamentary committees or congressional committees in the U.S. when they call tech leaders in to discuss things like artificial intelligence or cybersecurity. I like to watch them. I keep the stream on in the background because I, I, I realize just how little our legislators on both sides of the border understand about technology. And part of it is entertaining, but the other part of it is frightening is that our, you know, the reason that we don't have better tech specific legislation is because our, our elected officials just don't get it. And that needs to change. And I mean, obviously it starts with us when, when, you know, there is an election. I think one of the things that we as voters need to do is just start asking those questions. What do you know about technology? And that needs to be a policy priority uh, for all of us. And it isn't now, it hasn't been up until now. Um, but that needs to change because um, if we don't, we're going to get out competed by countries that do get it. And and if it's China, we've got a problem because China obviously isn't subject to the democratic you know reality. We are, and we need to make sure that we're ready for it at all levels of our democracy. And right now, we're not. We're moving in the right direction, but I'm concerned it isn't. We're not moving fast enough. We got to go. But you and I have talked about this before. I'm not. I, I I know there's all kinds of things that I don't have any idea about artificial intelligence and its impact. But one area that I think we've got to do something about and do about it really fast is what to do about deep fakes or just imitations, because there is such an open field for in the next election or any election for any politician's voice now to say anything that mm -hmm. may or may not be true. And the moment that we get to the point that we don't know anymore what's true and what's not, and don't have some way to determine that, we're in a world of problems. 
Yeah, we are already seeing in the run up to the U.S. election, we are already seeing the Republican Party in particular use AI generated imagery without actually labeling it as such. Uh, it is the issue of our time. And if we don't figure it out first and if we allow parties, uh, you know, actors to to use it with impunity, we are I, I don't even want to I don't even want to begin to to think or because I fear what happens to democracy if we don't figure that out. So, yeah, now's the time. Um, and that needs to be a priority, much more so than, you know, who's wearing what T-shirt of the Calgary Stampede. Oh. We've got to talk about issues that matter to well, us. All, you, all it would take, and pick any of the candidates, take Jagmeet Singh or Pierre Polyev or Justin Trudeau or whomever, and suddenly either a video or more likely an audio clip, because that would be even harder to distinguish, mm-hmm. appears from back five years ago where they allegedly are talking at some meeting and they use the N-word or something else. It's over for them. And before, exactly. before and, and even though even it will eventually out. get debunked, it yes. will race around the world thanks yes. to social media so fast that even when the truth comes out, it'll be too late. And the truth will only be accepted as truth by those who like the person. Those who aren't fans of that person will still cling to the fact that, no, I think that's real. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's an inevitability, I think, but it's also a huge, unbelievable problem that is, am I wrong? It is going to happen. Oh, you're not, you're not wrong. It is going to happen. It already is happening. And honestly, Scott, it's keeping me awake at night already. It worries me. And, and I like, I understand how the technology works and I understand just enough about it to realize the abuse is already racing ahead, ahead of our ability to rein it in. Carmen Levy, always love having you on the show. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate it, Scott. Thank you. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.